I am so, so excited that you're here today. It's Mission Sunday, I'm sure you know, and uh, we've invited all of the ones that we partner with and support and pray and give money and all those things, and um, I'm just going to give a, a, a word today, but they're going to be here in just a moment to share their stories, and here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you and your family, or if you're just here by yourself, I'm looking for you to be so moved, so inspired by God to say, you know what? I need to be involved in what, God, you're doing around the world or even locally here. But here's the other thing we've been praying for, and you know we've been just been asking the last three weeks. You know, I'm just kind of wondering, God, what do you want to do with my life? I just kind of feel stuck. And I just want you to know that every single person on this platform that's going to come up in just a moment, they're people just like us. I think sometimes we think missionaries are like professional pastors. They're professional Christians. You know, they get paid to do all this. But they're people like us, teachers, doctors, workers, uh, custodial people, wherever, car mechanics, whatever we do. Something happened to them and their heart. And now they said, God, just use me full time. So I really want you to be inspired, encouraged. And I really want to ask that at the end of the service, there's going to be a grab-and-go lunch um, and outside, I'm sure you noticed the tents out there with all of the um, places for all of our missionaries, just to kind of get to know one another. I don't want you to think of it as just getting some information. I want you to get to know them. I want you to ask them questions. How can we pray for you? Maybe we could adopt, our family could adopt you for a year and just be praying, and we are supporting everything you're doing in Cambodia or here, uh, reaching teen moms who get you know pregnant and don't know what to do, and they're in trouble. And we've got to do good in society. Don't we want to change the world through the gospel? So I'm, I'm really hoping for change, really want change. Um, before we start in uh, Matthew chapter 28, this is a big week. Um, this is our fall kickoff week for our student ministry, junior high, high school, Wednesday night. It's a big deal. You can go on the website and find uh, information about this, but also it's our Mission Kids Week. They're revamping uh, all of the children's ministry programs here on Wednesday nights. You don't want to miss. Definitely want to check it out. And it's a great place for you to bring your children or grandchildren, or if you're a student here, to bring your friends. We want you to bring your friends here because we just believe that God has the greatest gift of all, right? And that was salvation and life abundant, and that includes everybody. Amen? Amen. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross. And like a sponge, he absorbed all of our sins. He took on every failure, every heartache, every pain, every wrong thought, everything we've ever done wrong. Before we were even born, Jesus took it all upon him because of one reason. He loves us. He loves you. And when he died on that cross, and then on the third day he rose again, not only did he save us, and when we come to faith, we've given our life to Jesus, but now he's given us a calling. He's given us this great calling to follow him. And Jesus said his very last, very, very last words to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them All that I have commanded you, and surely, I promise you, I will be with you to the very end of the age. And to finish that context, I will send the Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to be in you. That's how I'm never going to leave you. I know I'm in heaven, but I'm going to infuse you, indwell you. I'm going to give you my power. And in Acts 1.8, it says, you will be my witnesses. Now, that word go, we think of, well, go to Africa. Go to Barstow. No, no, no. Going somewhere specific, but really the context means as you go, 
As you go in your life, whether I'm working at Target or Walmart or I'm a teacher or I'm full-time mom or I'm full-time student or whatever we may be, God is wanting us to go with the greatest message known to humanity, and that is that God loves us, he died for us, he rose again, and he's here to save us. Now, question. How many full-time missionaries do we have here in this room? Raise your hand. Full-time missionaries. Full-time one, two, three, four, five. Okay. The answer to the next question is everybody raises their hand. How many full-time missionaries do we have in this room? Everybody. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. There we go. That's the answer. Now, just hold on to that right there because that's where I want to go for the next few minutes. Thousands of people follow Jesus. They followed him. They loved him. There were some that were skeptical of him, some that were unbelievers, some that tried to entrap him. But here's the majority of reasons I believe why so many people would follow Jesus and the 12 disciples left everything to follow him. And that was because of, I believe, three things. Jesus was extremely real. He was authentic. Jesus was down in the streets with people. He was with people with their hurts, their pains, their questions, their rebelliousness, their problems, concerns, every, every problem known to mankind. Jesus was right there in the streets with people. Very rarely did Jesus go into the religious places since everybody come to me. He went to the people. And I think people were so intrigued with him because he was just with them. I think the second reason is because Jesus loved everybody. He didn't ask questions and then love. He said, I already love you for free. I have an in-your-face love that I will never leave you. Never, ever will I ever stop loving you. And that was something supernatural that was a draw for so many people to follow him. I think the other reason, the third reason, is because Jesus was on mission. Have you been part of an athletic team or part of um, maybe a a classroom setting or an organization or a movement? Um, How many of us really get excited about, well, I'm not really sure where they're going. I'm not really sure where the coach is taking us. I'm not really sure where we're going this season. Don't really know what plays, but I'm just here. No, man, we want to be a part of a winning team, right? We want to be part of a mission. I think that's why people are, Jesus is going somewhere and I'm with him. I don't think they fully understood everything that Jesus was doing at that time, but they saw something in him that caused them to drop everything to say, I'm following him. And what I love about it is these men and women that followed Jesus weren't perfect. They were people just like us. And every time they fell, every time they failed, Jesus was right there to pick them up again. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God. People just like you and me, right? I I hope that today at the end of the service, you are so inspired. I pray that some of you today are like, God spoke to me in this moment. That the, the life is so much more than just going to school, getting a job, getting married, uh, having a job, uh, having grandkids, retiring, and then it just is all done. There's so much more to life than just doing what everybody else does. Isn't it about making a difference in this life-changing message? And I think we've adopted something in the American church overall, the big C church, is that we give the professionals, those who get paid for it, the clergy, well, that's their job. That's what they do. No, we do this thing together. We have people here. I just want to introduce you to somebody. Uh, Pastor Julio, who uh, oversees our Spanish ministry, doing a great job reaching our Spanish-speaking uh, brothers and sisters. 
11 o'clock hour every Sunday. He is passionate about the gospel. That's one of the things I love about him. And he loves the word and he just loves people, he and Carmina. But he started a motorcycle ministry here about 10 years ago. And he said, hey, Pastor Mike, I just want to gather some guys together and women who like to ride motorcycles. And I just wanted like a club. I'm like, yeah, do it, dude. Let's do it. So he meets here on a Saturday. He invites some people. JR and Vera are their friends. They invite he invites, Julio invites JR to this motorcycle bikers club, right, on Saturday. They're driving up, you know, Tribuco Canyon. That was eight or nine years ago they started coming to church. Uh, Julio invited JR and Vera. Hey, why don't you come to my church? They start coming. Last Sunday, JR came up to me and says, you know what? I've been thinking about this for a long time, and it's time for me to give my life to God, and I'm getting baptized. You just tell me when. Why? Because the pastor knocked on their door? No, that's not how it works. If I was to go over to your house and say, hey, my name's Mike Myola. I'm the pastor of Missionville Christian Church. We'd love for you to come visit our church. You'd probably slam the door. You're like, I don't know you. I don't know. What do you want? You want my money? You're just a pastor. I don't, I don't trust people. Right? right? But if there's people in your life who are so lost and so hurting, and what has Jesus called us to do? Be real and authentic. Love them right where they are. And don't be afraid to give them the message. We are on message, on mission with the message that Jesus gave us. There's another guy in our church here named Dave Maddox. Dave, um, all I have to do to Dave is say, hey, Dave, could you tell me what happened like last Tuesday? Just what'd you do last Tuesday? Every time I ask him that question, he's going, oh man, you're not gonna believe it. I was in Dana Point. This is like true. He, every, everything is about God in his life. I was at Dana Point getting lunch and the server there, his name is Nathan, and we already been praying for Nathan. So if this, Nathan, if you're watching online, God loves you, man. There is, God's coming after you. So he eats lunch, and this guy, serve, this guy named Nathan is serving him, strikes up a conversation with him. Conversation just leads to a natural progression of God has completely changed my whole life. Got me off drugs and alcohol. My life was spinning out of control, and now I just love Jesus with all my life. Now he's meeting Nathan at that establishment one hour before it opens to just talk about his life and the gospel. Pastor Mike, Pastor Brian, Pastor Scott, Pastor Becky, Pastor uh, 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 Robert, all of our pastors on staff. We did not go down to the Dana Point restaurant and say, hey, we'd love for you to come to God. Who are you? Get out of my face. You're weird. First of all, you're really short. You probably don't have anything to say to me that's important. But I trust Dave because I've known him. Relationship as you go. Every single one of the people on stage here in just a few moments I'm going to invite because I want you to hear their stories. Every single one of them are people just like us. Acts 17, 26 and 27. The writer says this, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided, oh, by the way, how many full-time missionaries do we have? Okay, great, good. You're still with me, right? He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Those two verses are so impactful, saying God placed you exactly where you are at this specific place, this specific time, not just to make lots of money, not to have the good life in the OC, not to have BMWs and jacuzzis, nothing wrong with having that stuff, but it's about connecting people to God. So the question is, how is he going to do that? How many of you here, how, how many full-time missionaries do I have here? Okay, just checking, just checking. How many of you believe 
that God loves engineers. Right. How many of you believe God loves teachers? Woo! Hear it for our teachers, right? How many of you here believe that God loves full-time moms and dads? Absolutely, right? How many people believe that God loves attorneys? Uh, I'm not sure. No, no, no. Just My son's an attorney. Don't write me an email. That was just a joke. Uh, how many of you here know that God loves construction workers? Yes, yes. So the question is, how are we going to reach them? Well, you know, that's what the pastors do. Oh, really? Let's just take a quick look at how God set up all of the resources that we have. And it all comes from the same source. So you get paid by the church. That's what we pay you to do. But our, our role is, of course, we have our own calling in our life. We live in the same neighborhoods that you do and go to the same schools and all. But we're here to equip you to be Jesus where you are. That's one of the joys as a pastor is we get to see what God does in your life. So um, if we were to take a construction worker and say, nah, nah, I don't really get paid by the church, so I'm off the hook on this Matthew 28 thing. That's for you guys to do. Really? Let's just trace the stereo wire. Maybe back in the day when they had stereo wires into the receiver and the speakers and cassette decks. And f- Anybody remember what those were, right? Yeah. If we follow those stereo wires. Where does that paycheck come from? That paycheck comes, well, I get, I get paid by the city. I get paid by the city of uh, Orange County or the county of Orange County. And I get paid by the uh, state, uh, California state school system because I'm in a, um, a public school. And that's where I get paid. But really, all of it comes from God. Who gave the resources to the ones that give you your paycheck? It all comes from God. Who gave you the paper that the, when we used to get paid in paychecks, right? All that paper, all the resources, everything comes from the same source, from God. So here's, here's how I believe God did all this. And I just want you to be so encouraged and inspired this morning. With all the teachers, all the doctors, all of the construction workers, law enforcement, first responders, grocery clerks, engineers, attorneys, financial planners, full-time moms, full-time students, whatever it might be. What's the best way to reach a teacher? God disguises a missionary as a teacher and he spins them into the public school system or the private school system. And that's how we reach teachers is through another teacher. How do we reach construction workers? Again, hey, uh, you guys are building a house here. My name's Mike. I'd love for you to come to church. Who is this guy? Get out of my face. But another construction worker on the same site who builds relationship and friendship with the Men and women that are working on that same site, grocery clerks, parents, all of us have an incredible role of reaching this world for Jesus Christ. And the wonderful thing about it is God uses full-time missionaries disguised into vocational systems that he set up in our society. So we get to play a part in what God is doing. How many full-time missionaries do we have here? Awesome. Awesome. So... One last thing before we invite our friends to come up is God just wants you to share your story and how it's, his story affected your life with somebody who's lost. You never know who God's going to reach because you simply praying, looking, watching, and taking opportunity. These stories now that we're gonna hear, I just like to invite all of our missionaries up to the platform because I want you to hear their stories 
and how God has changed their life. Um, so if you guys, first service folks, if you guys would come up, please, we'd love to hear your stories. We're going to hear your stories. And so um, could you please give them a warm welcome? Come on up and have a seat. Thank you so much for being with us. I just uh, want to say once again, I know that in your ministries and your busy life and what God is doing through you, for you to take time, I know some of you flew in here many miles away. Thank you for coming in from Tijuana. Um, Thank you so much for taking time to be here. I know that um, we're just anxious to hear what God is doing in your ministry and your life. So um, thank you, Vito. Each are going to get one of the microphones and... um, As these folks are talking, I just want to encourage you to be praying, listening, watching. Where is my story possibly in their story? So um, we're going to ask just uh, for Christopher LaPelle, who's uh, a servant of, leader of Hope for Cambodia. And I just want to give a brief introduction to Pastor um, Christopher LaPelle. He's actually the son of a Buddhist priest. He was raised in the Buddhist faith. Something happened in his heart when he found Jesus Christ in his life. Not only did he find Jesus, but his parents found Jesus, and actually he escaped from the war during a bunch of detail from Cambodia, went to Hope International University. God so moved on his heart as he was in college that he felt this pull and this call to go back to Cambodia and share the gospel. Um, His parents got saved, and now he's planting churches and reaching people for Jesus Christ in Cambodia. He's here with uh, one of his friends named Wyman. So I just want to say thank you, Pastor LaPelle, for being with us and what God is doing through you. My question that you can share with us is, um, what inspired you to become a missionary and serve in this field that God gave to you? What was it that really inspired you? Bring us back to that moment. First of all, just say thank you. God spared my life through the killing fields. And probably you hear about the killing field. 2.7 Cambodian will die by execution, starvation, overwork. That includes my parents, my, my sibling. So Khmer Rouge killed Cambodian. And uh, God spared my life through that night. And I want to go back to proclaim God's word, God's love to, Cam- to Khmer Rouge, who are Cambodian. I know that Jesus is the only hope in healing for Cambodian people. Mm. Number two, uh, Cambodian, 90% of Cambodian people are Buddhist. I came from background, Brahmin and Buddhist. And I want to bring God's love, God's word about our Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us, two Cambodian people. Number three, in Cambodia, no Christian churches in Cambodia. And I want to go and proclaim the word, baptize and train pastors and plant Christian churches in Cambodia. In more than 30 years, that we plan uh, uh, the, the, the government recognize a Christian churches in Cambodia. Number four, and I just, and you folk inspire me to bring God's words, God's love to my Cambodian people in Cambodia. And I thank you so much for you inspiring me to support me to go back to proclaim God's word. 
to my own people in Cambodia. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. When we usually get correspondence back and forth with um, their ministry, it's always Christopher, this uh, picture that you see, Christopher Lapel, he's always baptizing people. He's just bringing the love of Jesus, right? That's what God's and equipping other men and women to do that very thing. Thank you so much for sharing, sharing your story with us. Um, Phil Dark, could you um, talk a little bit from Province World Ministries? Um, Phil actually grew up in this church before I was here. And um, he grew up in this church and God took him on this incredible journey. Um, and his ministry, basically what he's doing is he's coaching uh, and reaching um, organizations and ministries that um, help orphans to be placed into families and also families that are thinking of adoption and helping children to find safe places. So they use athletics and whatever means possible to reach more families and more children. Could you tell us just a little bit about a specific moment, Phil, that um, your experience reaffirmed like your calling? Yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, I, I was thinking this morning, I did from when I was born through um, when I turned, when I went to college, I was here. I baptized in the old fellowship hall when I was nine on October 9th, 1983. So I know uh, it was a long time ago, but uh, God just uses little, little things usually with me. It's like, I, I get discouraged and he says, remember what you're doing. And I think we so often miss those things in our life of those kind of Ebenezer stones as we read about in scripture. And, and I think it's because we're not looking a lot of the times, but there was one moment recently that just reaffirmed my my calling. Um, I mean, there's been so many. It was a hard question. But um, this one, it was this boy. He's now a man, 17-year-old. But I remember him when he was little. The, commu- the community we have served since I started working with Providence World is, is in Honduras. And this little little guy, Dublon, he was 18 months old when he came to the community. And he was placed in this family at the community. And uh, amazing kid. He grew up, struggled for... Most of his life, he ran away like eight times, kept coming back, um, or he was found and brought back. And recently, in the last year, he was actually unified. And I say unified because usually we use the word reunified, but he was never with his biological family. And he was unified with his biological mother at 17 years old. And I uh, was just down there a couple months ago, and I was able to go visit him in his home with his biological mother, who's much older and he has a 12 year old sister who has a eight month old baby and he has another little brother as well and what Rhea really reaffirmed my calling was talking with him first of all walking in the door and seeing the joy on his face and uh, I was told that I had tremendous joy on my face as well and I couldn't see my face but I felt it but to be able to talk with him for just about 15, 20 minutes and just hearing the Holy Spirit just flowing through him, hearing him talk about how he had a really hard time. He was never really loved the Lord. And in the last year, he's really just been captured by the Holy Spirit because of all that's been poured into him. And to be able to hear his voice saying, I now know that God has prepared me for this where I am now the man of this house and I need to live that out. I need to finish school and I need to be able to do that. I need to be able to be the father to this child in my home. I need to be able to be the big brother, but also father figure to my sister. And so to hear this young man 
talking, knowing that what he, what he would have been if he did not ever come through the community and be able to be part of the ministry and to be part of now, be part of my family. So I said to him, you're part of my family. I was able to say to his biological mother, he's like my nephew, so you're now part of my family. Mm. Those are the things that just really reaffirmed in me. It's not the big things. It's not the big numbers. It's that one child that I got to see his life transformed, not by what I did, by what God did in his heart, by what I get to be a part of. I just get to be part of what God's doing, and i just so grateful for that. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. I know, and my understanding is um, you received a law degree, practice law, but there was a higher calling with your law degree, which is amazing, just how God works. Um, how many of you know we have families in crisis in the world, right? Well, in 1973, there were two people, Don and Lois, who took in two homeless teens into their house, and the rest is history. In 1973, that was a while ago, and basically God put on their heart, husband and wife, to now reach children and families that are having serious crisis and trauma in their life. And so that's what all of Crest is all about, and we have the privilege of not just financially supporting uh, Jen, who's here today. She's going to kind of share a little bit about that, but you know, we know that the family uh, is eroding away, unfortunately, in society, and so we want so much for Jesus to be the center of those families, and that's why we felt God calling us to partner with Jen and what Olive Crest is doing. So, Jen, it's so good to have you here. I know also you're on staff. You're one of the pastors at Oak House Church, which is just like half a mile down from us. So, we're all part of the same family and close unity here with Pastor Chad as the lead pastor. It's good to have you here. Um, could you just, what are some of the most rewarding aspects of what you get to do? And I've used that word, what you get to do, because I know it's not a job, right? It's an absolute privilege and also to be here today as we see you as a sister church. I'm actually on staff with Olive Crest and now just volunteering at the church that we pastor. But uh, we're so thankful for this opportunity to grow this partnership here with Mission Vale Christian. And what I would say is so incredibly rewarding is to be a part of an organization that's 50 years old, that is in multiple regions, Pacific Northwest, Nevada, all throughout California, and making a deep impact in the lives of children in crisis and it's such a privilege to be a part of a faith-based organization but specifically with uh, the church the local church is our primary partner and uh, that is God's great vision you know for the local church his bride and specifically why I chose to why I responded to God's calling in my life I love as Pastor Mike is talking about all of us are missionaries and uh, 14 years ago, uh, we had been a part of a church that had many foster families historically in our church. It was a part of the culture of our church. And my husband and I were praying as our own children were second and third grade and really praying and discerning God, what does it look like to be a missional family? And we were taking our children with some of our global partnerships on some local opportunities. And an opportunity actually came to our front door with a vulnerable family, a vulnerable mom who stumbled into our church with five kids who was, had just lost her housing. Her husband had been deported and she had five children. And my friend was working for Olive Crest at the time. And she turned to us and she said, we can help this family. We can get these kids off the street. And there's this program called Save Families. Uh, so we became one of the very first volunteer host families. And my husband and I started um, really, and God told us clearly, open your door. Mm. And we realized the mission field that was within our own home 
by opening our door and allowing, um, we hosted first a 16 year old, I'm sorry, a 16 month old for six weeks. It's a long story and it's a God story. And it started us on a trajectory of having many children short term hosted in our home, not as foster youth, but as just practicing biblical hospitality, being the church, being believers, saying yes, and looking at that mama and saying, we see you, God is with you, and our church is behind you. So it's rewarding because I now get to oversee this program, as well as being a part of recruiting foster families, mobilizing the local church to volunteer throughout our 18 programs in Orange County, serving about 2,500 youth. It is humbling, and it's the mission field in our own backyard. So we're so thankful to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Jen, where, is the, where are the offices located? All of us? Yes. So I'm in our headquarters, which is in Santa Ana. But again, we're in multiple regions and throughout the state. But we're headquartered here in uh, Santa Ana. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Thank you so much. What a great way to be like Jesus, just loving these kids who are needing so much, right? Um, Pastor uh, Mendoza, so, so good to have you back again. Um, Pastor Mendoza, Jose Mendoza, is from Casa Hogar Ministries. And um, yes, awesome. So um, not only do we get the privilege of being able to you know, financially support you guys in whatever you're, you're in need of, there's so many generous people here um, in South County that we have the privilege to help you. But 27 years you've served in Tijuana, Mexico at the orphanage that I believe your mom started and started reaching out to children on the streets that had no place to live. And she brought them in, not having resources, not knowing where anything was going to come from. And God stepped in and did the rest, which is an amazing story. Um, I asked Pastor Mendoza, who's like, what's his greatest passion? He says, I love watching our people in Mexico get the gospel, and then go give it to somebody else. So I just um, wanted you to share with our people here. Um, can you describe a transformational story or a sincere impact that you've witnessed in the lives of the people that you're serving that you could share with us to encourage just across the border? We're all in the same work together. Yes, I'm very blessed to be here today uh, with the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible to see Kids growing up and just absorbing all what they see, what they hear, you know. And a lot of uh, transformation in their lives is by the gospel of God. Most of it, I will say. But they need to watch you. They, because you're, you're uh, their parent at that point. And as most of you that have children, children observes you, listens to you, follow you. Maybe may not obey a lot what you said, but um, it's important uh, for all of us to understand that we are full-time missionaries all the time. And when you, Pastor, is telling about this, is I remember a boy growing up, Jorge, his name, George in English. Jorge grew up at Casa Hogar in the mid-80s, 1980s. And he was a typical kid with a regular kid, quiet one, uh, uh, loving soccer to play football. And uh, I just uh, saw something on him. I, I, I said, this boy is going to like school and he's going to keep on going in life. But later on, I discovered that he had a... A, a goal in his life as he turns to be a teen boy, teenager, uh, he 
like to approach others. As he was listening to me in the first uh, rows in the church, he used to watch me and to imitate me. All the language, body language and the hand movements and all that. What is this boy doing? What, what's, what's, going, what's going on here? Later on, he turns 18. He decided to go out and began working as a technician. And um, he went to a factory. And he began to reach out people. I, I, I kind of uh, not knew what was going on in his life for uh, three, four years. Later on, somebody knocked at the main gate, the main door of the orphanage. Say, hey, Pastor Jose, Jorge is at the main gate. Jorge? Yeah. All right, let him in, you know. And he came in and said, Pastor Jose, I became a pastor. Hmm. What? You're a pastor? Yes, I'm in the outskirts of Tijuana, and I'm reaching out. A lot of teenagers are coming in. Teenagers that were absorbed by the state and uh, troubled kids, you know, teenagers. Now I'm preaching them, and he's going today, he's going to the uh, two main um, uh, state facilities for kids, especially teenagers, and he's going there and preaching to them. Mm. So that's very impacting to me. And and you are part of it because you've been pension. Mission Mio has been a part of that, you know. And uh, today with me is Belen and Esmeralda. They grew up in Casa Algar. They are over there in the second row. Say hi. All right. Say hi. Yeah. These girls grew up in the orphanage. They grew up there. And now they are helping, uh, uh, directing Casa, helping out there. So thank God for that. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. How many of you know that we need revival in our nation? How many of you love this great country, right? That we have the privilege and the freedom that we have. How many of you love the men and women who serve and their families, our military? Amen? Amen. Well, about um, 12 years ago, there was a woman that uh, had been um, praying, and her name is Cynthia. I'm going to let her kind of just share her story. And she shared with me that God gave her a vision out of Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Well, not only did the Lord give her that scripture and a vision, but she said, I, God told her, I want you to serve our military. Right over here in Camp Pendleton, there are so many folks who serve and serve well and given their lives and everything, but they don't know Jesus yet. And so God, in those humble beginnings... Um, Cynthia Martinez has been serving for 20 years at a ministry that we have the privilege, really a privilege of just supporting called Words of Comfort, Hope, and Promise. And so she's bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as she's going to share here in just a second, I want you to think about, she does these incredible Saturdays down at Camp Pendleton and um, provides just basic needs for military families. And some of them, men and women are deployed and their families are left behind. And she'll reach out to them and she collects things. I don't want to take away everything from her. It's exciting to partner with what she's doing for our military. And so Cynthia and Margaret, thank you so much for being with us today, taking the time. I just want to ask this question to share with the rest of our folks. In what ways have your faith, because I'm sure you've been tested and tried by the devil, what ways have you been strengthened during your time serving as the leader of your ministry? Well, 
First of all, thank you, Pastor Mike, and, and your church for supporting our ministry all these years for your faithful support. Thank you. Because of your support, we've been able to get the Bibles out to our troops and share the gospel, the salvation. But to answer your question, when the Lord called me to serve our military after 9-11, he said to me, it's not going to be by your might or by your power, but mm. my spirit, said the Lord. You're going to succeed because of my spirit. I've been a Christian for 47 years. I trust him. I knew when he'd tell me to do something, it was going to be fruitful and for a purpose. So I said, okay, I'm in. But then, Father, you show him the God that I serve. You show him the greatness of our, my God unto you who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And I said, and bless our troops and their family socks off, Lord. And he has been doing that. He's... I. The faithfulness of God, I give him all the glory. These 20 years has been the greatest honor of my life to share the gospel. You know, our troops right now, they're, we're global now. God has taken our ministry global. We're out throughout the whole world. We've got army in Germany. We have special forces, air force over in Niger, uh, Africa. We also have the Marines and sailors over in Okinawa, Guam, the Philippines. We have, as a matter of fact, we have three different military battalions. Uh, second Battalion, Second Marines, Second Battalion, Third Tracks, and Third Tracks and Second Tracks, all in Okinawa. And, um, and then we have, Nate, we just shipped out to the Navy SEALs. Uh, to our SEAL teams uh, overseas, and we just did a uh, gay goodie bag together, red, white, and blue, of course, to uh, Army National Guard that deployed overseas and in the Middle East. So we also support Camp Pendleton, um, a wounded warrior battalion out of Camp Pendleton, also Balboa Medical Center, where the more severely wounded are in San Diego. And uh, we have a chaplain that's over in... Um, you over in Arizona, we support a food pantry because right now, you know, a lot of Americans right now all over, there's inflation, high prices. The troops are really struggling right now. And so we send them out, let not your heart be troubled. We want to let them know God is our hope. We want to introduce them to Jesus because he's the greatest gift that we can give them. And then We've been working with, uh, I was working many years with the Army National Guard chaplain, and he was deployed with his soldiers in Iraq. Well, he came out with the military Bible, the seven principles of leadership translated by military chaplains, and I got to know him very well. And so when he told me he was coming out with the Bible, I asked him, could you include the prayer of salvation in there so that the troops can have a prayer to be led to Christ get born again, get saved, so then they'll have better understanding, revelation, understanding when they read the Word of God. He said, yes, he put a prayer by Billy Graham in there. He, I, he also put the prayers of each branch of the military, the Marine hymns, the Marine prayer, every branch. And then I said, you know, America, we've got to say, we're a Christian nation. We've got to preserve our godly heritage. Could you please, I said, add the quotes of our founding fathers because they dedicated America to God. And as a matter of fact, our country was founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. I learned so much when the Lord said, have a class on the Constitution. And uh, so we also send Constitution. How can we defend our freedom and our Constitution, which is the law of our land, if most Americans, including myself, didn't know it? Well, we send out Constitution pamphlets also. And then I asked him in the, for the Bible, in the back, could you 
um, he put the president's quotes that, that were a Christian nation. And then how many of you know about the monument out of Plymouth, Massachusetts? How many of you know about her monument? Okay, me, I didn't know either. How many of you know who Kirk Cameron is? Kirk Cameron, he came out, yes, okay, Kirk Cameron. He came out with a documentary a few years back called Monumental. There's a statue out there, in my opinion, is the true Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty, and I'm grateful to France for helping us during the revolution, but she represents a Roman goddess. Well, the statue that's over in Plymouth, Massachusetts, that's what the pilgrims landed when they came here to America. The Pilgrim Society dedicated in 1800. Her name is Faith. She's a huge monument. Her name is Faith. She's pointing to heaven, and she's holding the Geneva Bible in her hand. And all the way around her shows that we're a Christian nation. It's in, I asked him, could you please include that in there too so we can preserve our heritage? And he said, go ahead and send me the picture. So we have these in the back for any amount of donation, anything, even if it's a dollar, anything that you would like to learn the, the history of our Christian nation and how we're founded on Judeo-Christian values and principles. And then real quickly, um, right now we have a benevolence fund that we are helping support many of our military and their families are suffering uh, right now and almost been evicted. Um, just uh, many, many, I'm working with chaplains right now and they're letting me know that the families that really need our help. So anything, even a dollar, we have envelopes back in our station. Thank you again for allowing me to speak. I appreciate it and God bless all of you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Cynthia, thank you for that history lesson. I learned a few things. Appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, this is for Christopher Lapel and then Wyman. Uh, I think Wyman's going to um, share with us. What advice would you give to those of us maybe sitting in this room that, you know, I think maybe we should go on a short-term missions trip. Maybe we should take a week and go. What, what, what would you say to short-term or long-term missions thoughts? Well, I would just encourage you to uh, go ahead and do it. If you feel a call in your heart, if you're contemplating or interested in a short-term mission, that's God speaking to you. And I know our typical response um, is the same as my typical response back when I began doing these short-term missions. I don't feel adequate. I don't feel prepared. I don't speak the language. How can I you know, contribute? And um, I just want to encourage you because these short-term missions open your eyes. You get to see um, how everybody around the world is just like everybody you know back home, mm. and uh, they're generally more needy, and you can uh, you know, make a big difference in their lives just by showing up and serving, and it changes you. It changes your perspective. It changes um, your uh, growth, your spiritual growth, and uh, I would just say once again, if you're um, feeling any kind of interest in it, uh, pursue that interest, and don't spend a real long time debating whether to go or not. Just, just go. You won't regret it. You'll, you'll love it. And I want to thank you. Uh, I am on the Hope for Cambodia board. That's how I serve. I'm making my first trip to Cambodia this uh, coming October. I'm very excited about it. That'll be sort of a short-term mission for me. But, um, you know, around 2014, I was asked to become Christopher's prayer partner because his former prayer partner, John Rao, had passed away. And um, that was another instance where I felt God pulling on my heart and uh, normally any request like that, I, I would have thought about it for a long time. But I, I just knew God was calling me. I jumped into it. As strange as it seemed, 
I've got to know Christopher by being his prayer partner. I love the ministry that he does over there, and there's just one incredible story after the other. If you ever take a moment in front of Google and just put his name in there, you'll see multiple, multiple uh, news articles from around the world about these incredible things that he has accomplished. But the most incredible thing is he has over 100 active uh, Christian churches, 2,500 people a week attending them. And uh, this man's on fire. He's done this for 30 years, but it's just like he had just started. That's his only desire is to serve God, and he's beyond enthusiastic and dedicated. And he works awfully hard, but uh, he never gets exhausted because this is what he lives for. So thank you for the support that you provide, Hope for Cambodia. Your, the dollars that go to Hope for Cambodia are making a huge difference in eternity. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Wyman. So I, think, I think what we hear you saying is don't negotiate with yourself. Just go, right? Just go. And there's short term, there's uh, local things we can do here, and there's long term and far away places. So I think the most powerful thing um, that God gave to us, my son, uh, Michael, was 13 years old, and we went to Africa with uh, one of our uh, teams here. It was the best two weeks of our life. And it was the most uncomfortable, but it was the best. So I, I agree with you. Awesome. Jen from Olive Crest, once again, um, could you tell us a little bit about how do you ensure like the sustainability of the projects? I'm sure you've got all kinds of projects. Maybe you could share something that's life-changing um, or the initiatives that you're involved in. How do you sustain all that? Great. So again, um, locally, 18 programs were pretty large, but the sustainability is that Again, you know, my position, I'm church and community engagement director. And so it was created in each of our regions because the local church is our primary partner. So I have the honor of working with about 70 churches in Orange County. Uh, There are multiple people in my role throughout our regions. And so in order to have programs that are bringing in volunteers of faith, so not just foster families or volunteer host families of faith, but there's our motto is everyone can do something What is your something? And so even sitting here in this community, some of you may be called to be a family, to open your home as a foster family or a volunteer host family. Or you could be called to be a friend, and that would be someone who would be ready when someone in your church community steps forward to open their home. You're there to provide wraparound, significant support in tangible ways so that they knew and saw, I see you, I'm praying for you, I'm with you, your church has your back. Or lastly, you could be a champion, and that's there's so many volunteer opportunities. Johnny um, works really closely with us at Olive Crest. We'll be after service talking about many, many volunteer opportunities to serve any of our 18 programs. So the, the answer to sustainability truly is, is that we're a faith community all coming together, unified, on mission to serve these vulnerable children in crisis just right in our own backyard. Sweet. Thanks. So question uh, regarding when we, when just a moment, when we go out and just hang with you guys and kind of ask some questions. If somebody comes up and says, what can I do? Um, that would be for all of you. There will be something for you to tell us, even if it's one thing we could help, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Cool. All right, um, words of comfort, hope, and promise. Um, our military uh, families, Margaret, is just going to um, take this question here. Um, so I just wanted to ask for the sake of all of us here, what's the impact that you hope to leave? I mean, the reality is we're all going to leave this earth one day, but what is the impact that you want to leave on our community once your work is completed? Well, thank you so much again for having us here. 
It's a privilege to be here. And what we had was, this morning you gave a great illustration, Pastor Mike, on what Jesus took on the cross for all of us. He, he took that, protect, he protected us from eternal separation from, from God. And if we think about the context of that, what our military does for us is they're that barrier that protects us mm. from danger. And, um, and even if it's just their presence without them having to go to battle, that is still, they're taking that risk. And then they do go into battle and they put their lives on the line. And so for us to be able to say thank you means so much to them. Mm. They feel cared for. They're not out there invisible. They get tangible appreciation from us verbally, from when we put out, right, that you, some of you write letters, we thank you for that, and we get, we're able to send contributions all around the world and within the United States. And when they get that, they are so grateful. We get letters back saying, thank you, you, you don't know what this means to me. We, put, we, we include the gospel. They, they love the treats, but they say, thank you for sending us the word of God. So the impact yes. that we make is that they are encouraged. You know, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he went through the Mount of Olives and he, you know, he had the, the time when he had that anguish. Um, but he's God and these, these are people, these are, they're humans and they need that encouragement from us. So when they get that and they get that um, box of cookies that's from the States, that's, like, that's from home. And so we appreciate your supporting and that doing it. And so my experience in doing that is an awesome sense of appreciation. And I feel like, you know, it says, blessed are those. It is better, uh, better to give than to receive. You feel that blessed when you're, when you're able to give. So that's, that's the impact. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for serving and leading the way for us so we can serve them. Yeah, thank thanks. Phil, um, once again from Providence World, I, I think there's, um, we would probably agree, there's misconceptions about missionary work, and maybe you could share with some of them, those misconceptions about mission work um, that you've encountered, and how do you address them? Yeah, you know, and I, I got to say, it's, it, just before I get into that, it's weird being on stage with Jen here, because the last time, we were on, last time we were on stage together was at Mission Bio High School, <laughs> uh, in a musical, like... <laughs> Many, many years ago. So it's wow. just kind of weird that we were sitting next to each other here. But that's a whole different story for a different day. But um, great memory, though. If you were there, it was pretty amazing. I'm not gonna lie. She, she was amazing. I was not as amazing, but that's all right. Um, so I will say the biggest misconception that I've seen is that it's got to be programmatic. It's got to be big. It's got to be complex. It's something that is oh, this big thing that I got to be part of somebody else doing something and I'm, or I got to start something. I got to start a ministry. What's a 501c3? How do I do all this? This is too much. And you just forget it. I'll tell you, I run a nonprofit. I run a 501c3. We are, we are all over the world doing a lot of different things. And the biggest lesson God has shown me was in the last few months. And I'll rewind of 2018. I went to India to do some ministry. And I was thinking I was going to be doing a lot of work in India. I'm a big, big soccer guy and football over everywhere else in the world. But I was looking for soccer ministry. I was looking for a soccer jersey in India. And those of you who know India know that soccer is not the big sport in India. Cricket is. Cricket was everywhere. Every big screen TV, it was cricket. There was no other sport anywhere. I got a cricket jersey instead of a soccer jersey from India. So I said, well, if I'm going to be going to India, I better learn this sport, cricket. So... 
I watched documentaries. I learned the rules. I watched matches, not full five-day matches, but the India Premier League, which I learned what that was. It's not soccer, for those of you who are wondering. And so I started watching this stuff. And then I walked down the street with my son to go play soccer at the local park. And what do I see? But 35 Indian men playing cricket, half mile from my house. That was during COVID. And I thought, well, I guess I'm not going back to India. And I see all these guys from India. I'm like, India has come to Folsom, California, which is where I live. Intel has a campus there. And there's people not just from India, but from all over the world. I know Mission Viejo is also a place that there are people from all over the world. In this room, I see people from all over the world. Right next to me is somebody from a different country, right? So we often overcomplicate things so much. It can be so simple. So what did I do? I didn't start a ministry. I didn't go, oh, we're going to have the cricket ministry in Folsom. Who wants to be a part of this? I better get a church behind it. No, I took my son to the park, and I just stood and watched them play cricket. And they said it took about an hour for somebody to walk up and start talking with me, which is really hard. If you know me, I'm a talker. I like to talk. I talk a lot. Jen's over here going, yep, 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 you sure are. Um, And and it was really hard for me to just be patient and just wait on the Lord Mm -hmm. to say, this is, this is something I have for you, but just wait. Because if you go in and you think it's your thing and you think that you're going to have to create this big thing, then it won't happen. Mm. Just wait for them to come to you. So Suman, after about an hour, came and just started talking with me, and we just had a great conversation. There's no ministry yet, but I know I've just gone back, and I'm just going. And there's this great quote that I love, and I, I read it, and it's a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. It's about simple, simple stuff and just doing stuff over and over, doing it really well. We often dream big, and we think we need to start big, but this mm. quote is, dream big, start small, be ridiculously faithful. Mm. So I just want to encourage you with that, and again, I get, I'm excited to come back here in a few years and tell you that I've been able to have some of these guys in my home just to have dinner, because there's a stat that just keeps just, just, it's just in me. Now, I know this stat, and I just want to change it, and I want to encourage you to change it. 80% of refugees have never eaten a meal in an American's home. Mm. 80%. That's crazy. Mm. And, yeah, a lot of the immigrant populations are insular, but we it's our job to welcome the stranger. They are in our communities. They are here. How can we welcome them? And sometimes that's going and meeting them where they are because they're playing cricket at the park. And sometimes it's seeing them somewhere and saying, hey, you want to grab coffee? You want to grab a meal? It's not this big, huge program thing. And I think that's the biggest thing. I just want to encourage you with that. That's, that's great. Wow. That's a great word. Pastor Jose, could you tell us just a little bit about um, what God has put in your heart in regards to looking forward um, in what God wants to do in Tijuana? What, what are your aspirations and goals for the future of the mission that you're serving right now? What are some of your, your ideas and goals of that? Yes, uh, I think pursuing that uh, right now we have like three girls in a college level. So they're going to be missionaries in the college. Mm. And they're going to make friends. And they're going to share what they know, mm. the values that they had learned as a little girls growing up in Casa. So that's a real challenge to me, to reinforce them, mm. the reinforcement and to give them all kinds of tools. But the main tool is God. 
Amen. <laughs> and, 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 and the word of God. And sharing that in that college in, in, in Baja. And so, uh, and prepare those in high school level to, they, they can make it true. You know, in, in Mexico, most of the youngsters, uh, the uh, teenagers, they, they really just stop studying at junior high school level. And very few make it to high school. Very few. So that's our goal. Keep on going into that direction and be missionaries in that school. So that, that would be great for, for their lives awesome. to do that. We love that you're reaching the younger generation. That's, yes. that's awesome. Yes. Um, maybe just one last, and anybody wants to just jump in on this one. Um, I'm really interested in how is youth being in your ministry, how has it changed you like personally and just your own faith? Maybe how you see the people that you live next door to, because you're all doing amazing things out there, but how, is it, how has it changed your own world and your own perspective on lost people, people that are just lost? Maybe you want to just jump in on that one. Yeah. Um, I, the Lord has given me the, the honor to be able to lead many of our troops to the Lord. And um, just recently, a Marine veteran, because our ministry supports um, veterans also, uh, he's suffering with PTSD. And so I was able to minister to him the word of God. He was so open, so hungry. He received Jesus. I could see there was a change in him. And he even told me, Cynthia, God touched me. Mm. And that meant more to me than anything. And to see people get saved, delivered, and set free. He's so hungry. Right now, I'm mentoring him. I'm um, emailing. I'm texting him the Bible, the book of John, and he's listening to the book of John. Then I'm texting him another YouTube of the book of Corinthians and all the different, you know, books in the Bible. And also scripture verses to encourage him in his faith. And he has three children. He almost lost his home. Um, He just got so behind and everything we're able to help him that way and by being able to reach out and help him financially it opens the door for us to share the gospel with them too because they're open they need hope and we're giving them hope and so to see he just texted me last night when i got home from last night from being here pictures of his kids his little baby boy 11 months three five-year-old daughters you know there's hope in his eyes hope in his Mm. heart and I think that's the greatest joy that I receive from the troops' letters saying how they're thankful for the Bible track, the inspirational, and leading people to the Lord is the greatest gift. Jesus is the greatest gift we can give to the human awesome. race. And we're honored to serve our Lord and, um, and just introduce them to our Lord and Savior so they have hope Amen. and future. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's a great one. I'm just thinking, as you're talking, I'm just thinking that most of us here have somebody in our life that's military or served or currently serving. And so if you have a question about, hey, what could I do for this person that's in my life that's serving? I don't really know what to do. You probably have some great ideas. So I would encourage us to go out and find Cynthia to ask questions. Anyone else just on how your mission has touched just your own personal life with lost people? I was just going to say, and this brings it full circle to what you were talking about, is everyone here is a missionary. And what God has really put on my heart is I've been doing work for the last 15 years all around the world on almost every continent. And what God really talked to me, and it wasn't just because COVID grounded me at home, but it was, you're a missionary in your church. You're a missionary in your city. Everyone here is a missionary in this church, in our cities. God has placed us where we are for a reason. 
And yes, he calls us to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's not a, it's a, it's a both and. It's not an either or. Like we get to do things where we are, what we're doing. So that's what's really impacted me is it's funny. I had to go to all these different continents for God to say, no, you're a missionary. It's not about what Mike preaches on Sundays and going, well, I like that this Sunday. It was good for me. And it was the last Sunday. I don't know. It wasn't that great. And that's not what it's, no, it's about what can you give to your congregants? What can you give to your communities? What can we do together for the kingdom? And it's, it's so amazing and exciting when we start seeing that and we start saying, what does it mean to make disciples with my neighborhood? Yes. And, I, love, uh, I love your story about the cricket game and you just went into the park. I mean, that's yeah. so organic. It's so natural. That's, yeah, that's great. Anyone else, just how you maybe see your next door neighbor or a person you go to school with or whatever, um, lost person in your life, how has it changed you? I would, just, I would just add that I think it's so important in what I've learned through my role at, at Olive Crest is just to continue to have this posture, um, not of judgment of those, especially with families. When you see hurting children, it's so easy to come in and think, does that parent deserve to parent those children? Or does that parent, you know, and we can put ourselves in this place of feeling like we know, and God just continues to wreck my heart on a daily basis and our team as we come alongside really vulnerable, struggling parents as well who are part of generational struggle. And just leading, I'd say it's like this discipleship of ourselves and as we see volunteers discipled by our loving God who allows us to repent before him and say, uh, forgive me for my pride and how can we speak life over these struggling parents, you know, if we want to stand for life, we got to stand for life throughout their life and show up for these families and show up and say, I see you, you're trying hard. Uh, How can I come alongside real friendship, real relationship? It's word and deed. And so it's discipleship. It's, Mm -hmm. and it's the daily surrendering our ideas, surrendering our opinions and asking God to transform and renew our own mind like Christ. And he equips us through his spirit, such a gift. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Really appreciate this. Sometimes serving God full-time is a lonely place. Sometimes there's not a lot of um, encouragement. Sometimes there's not a lot of applause. And sometimes you feel like you're standing alone for what is right. And they need our encouragement. So they're here as our friends, our family. I want to invite all of our missionaries up for the second hour. Could you please quickly make your way up? I'm so excited to have them here. Thank you guys so much for being here. I know that um, some of you have come out of state. We had first service. We had um, from Casa Hugar, Mexico, all the way across the border. I know that, um, Dan, you've come from the wonderful state of Montana. Big Sky, Montana. So glad to have you guys with us. We'll make, make way for everybody to have an opportunity to come. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask some questions. I want them to really share just their heart, their story, their experience. And again, I really want you to be listening for, they're just like me. They're not full-time experts. None of us are. We're just people who were begging. We found where the bread is, and we want to tell other people where the bread is, right? 
So um, our first one I just want to introduce to you is For the Children Ministry. So excited about this. Jeff has been with us many, many years. As you know, they are connected with and started Royal Family Kids Camp. Isn't that great? For those maybe... um, For those maybe that are guests with us or just kind of new to MVCC, this is a very special ministry that we really felt like God opened a door for us to not just financially support. What they do is they look amongst the foster care system and they see all the children that do not have a mom or dad. And they present these uh, yearly throughout the year camps, a summer camp, for these foster children to come and get loved. They hear the good news that there's a God that loves them. And hopefully the most important part of all this besides letting kids know Jesus is that they possibly get connected to a mom and dad and become adopted and become a family. And so we're just so thankful. Now, God has provided, as you know, many here at MVCC, I think 50 volunteers every summer go down to spend an entire week with those kids and love those kids. So Jeff, it's just a privilege to have you with us, man. Could you um, share with us a little bit what inspired you to become you know, let's say a missionary, God used you in a special way with your vocation, but what inspired you to become a missionary and serve with, um, for the children? Tell us about that. Yeah. Thanks for having us here. My lovely wife is Janet is here with me and she and I grew up in church all our lives and we sat in the chairs and listened to missionaries, you know, through missions conventions. And we, we heard all these stories and it was always inspiring. And as we got married and got older, uh, we were in ministry and kids ministries of different kinds. And one day a, a guy came and spoke at our church about this thing called Royal Family Kids Camp. And we were enthralled and we thought, great, when it gets started, we'll sign up. Well, two years went by and it never got started. But during that two-year period, God was really stirring in our hearts. Just Sometimes you just feel that stirring, like somebody would come and speak and we think, oh man, somehow God was especially speaking to us today. Or we'd hear a missionary from Cambodia or Romania about orphanages there. We just felt this draw and this calling towards orphans. Well, two years are going by while we're doing all this and praying about it. And finally, I spoke with my pastor and said, uh, we feel this calling towards orphans, maybe Romania, Cambodia, India. And he said, do you remember when the guy came and spoke about this Royal Family Kids Camp? And I said, wow, I haven't thought about that for two years. Whatever happened? And he said, nothing happened. That's what happened. He said, for two years, I've been praying for somebody to feel the calling to start this ministry And for two years, my wife and I have been asking people, giving out these books and asking them, read this book and think about it. And nothing has happened for two years. And he said, today I came in my office and I had a few extra books on the shelf. He said, I threw the books in the trash can because I told the Lord, if it's not going to happen, I'm going to move on to other things. And today you walk in my office and ask me to pray for you about working with orphans. So he pulled the, tra- the book out of the trash can and he handed it to me and he said, would you consider working with orphans right here in America? And I said, wow, yeah, definitely. So we read the book. We felt definitely that that was what God was call- calling us to do. And that's a really unique story and it has motivated us to stick in it for a long time because we needed that kind of unique motivation. And, and, and God is a unique God and he calls people in unique ways. Mm. If you look at healing in the Bible, he used unique ways. If you look at calling in the Bible and through other people... God uses unique ways to stir inside people to say, this is what I'm drawing you to. So we, we were feeling that draw, and then we pursued it by asking for a special prayer about it, and here we are today. Awesome. So. And what was your vocation before you got this 
So uh, my wife worked for a computer company, and I was the director of safety for a construction company. So I, I got the privilege of telling people to put on their hard hats and uh, teach them how to drive a forklift, you know. God so, loves construction workers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it was a great ministry opportunity there. Awesome. Awesome. So um, thank you so much for sharing, Jeff. That's inspiring to all of us. Um, Heather is going to share with us a little bit about Standing Stone Ministries. Her husband uh, is not here um, and so Jenya uh, is uh, obviously her, her husband, and he's on mission, in fact. But they have had a mission and a calling to Russia. 20 years ago, they went to Russia. 10 years ago, they started a church there. And through, as we know, the Ukraine war and just everything that's happened, they had to make a quick split decision, which we believe was God-led. They came back to the United States, and so they're here now. But ministry never stopped for you guys. And so not only did they say... At Missionville Christian Church, this is kind of home church for them. So they started coming to church, and they couldn't just sit. And so um, she came up to one of our pastors and said, hey, we want to help the Ukrainian refugees. What can we do? So they had this great idea. We're going to collect furniture. We're going to get U-Hauls. And uh, if MVCC people can help, we'll collect the furniture, and we'll take it to all the refugees because they're living under tents and some little apartments, and they don't have anything. And so well, how are we going to pay for that? I don't know. God will just do it. So um, Heather, I've always had great faith. And I know that you guys have a church that you have a heart and a passion for, and I believe God's going to take you back to Russia soon to that. But until then, we are so glad that you're here. Could you just share with us a little bit about what you're doing for displaced children now and how that um, God led you to that? And how, how can maybe you could share just a specific moment or experience that reaffirmed when you got that calling, got to go on this mission. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, with Russia, we had about 40 hours to get out of the country. And we, in looking back, it's just, you know, all our ministry in years, it just felt like everything was burned to the ground. And so in coming here, it was really a big question for us. This really a reaffirmation of our call to ministry and missions and what does that mean and what does that look like and interesting enough because of our situation even though we're not refugees technically how it happened is our story is very similar to all of the ukrainians and and russian refugees that have come since the war and because of that god just blew open the doors to help um other ukrainian families and and doing that and the church was hugely instrumental in allowing Allowing us to, to do that. And um, in that, really, God, through that, and interesting enough, through, through Mission Viejo, we were also connected with Royal Family Kids and were serving there as well. And in combination of all of these things, this culmination of now a year and a half of being here in the States. Um, God just really spoke to us about working with vulnerable children and families, including Ukrainian, the Ukrainian crisis and the refugees, the foster kids, orphans, and really coming to the Lord and going, Lord, what does this look like now that we're here? And Royal Family Kids, this last summer, it was like this sword that pierced through our hearts. And mm. God just really confirmed that we are to continue in ministry and to continue forward, even though right now it's a question of what the path looks like 
forward for us. We're still in this place of, of limbo and flux right now, but God really showing the way, continuing with this calling of vulnerable children, because it's interesting. That's how we started our ministry 20 years ago mm. in Russia. We were working with street kids. Mm. So it's interesting to see it come full circle and to be here now doing that. So awesome. it's been, it's been a, a wonderful thing. Awesome. And you guys have been a huge instrumental part of that. Awesome. And they're, the name of the ministry is Standing Stone Ministries, which is great. Thanks, Heather. Um, I just want to introduce to you um, 1,120 acres in beautiful Montana. It's incredible. 800, over 800 children over the last years have been serviced, loved, cared for, educated, and most of all, given the gospel, learned what it means to be a person, a child of God through this incredible place where people then give their time and their talents to raise these kids. It's just an incredible place called Pine Haven Christian Children's Ranch. And so um, troubled youth from all over our country are invited, um, have to write a special letter requesting to go to this camp. And as they live there, literally, they learn how to work on the farm. They learn what it means to be a responsible person. And most of all, they, re- they learn about what it means to be a valued human person for Jesus, right? And so Dan, um, tell us, man, I, I love what you're doing. And we've had the privilege of being able to have some folks from NVCC go to, to spend time with you guys there. What are some of the most rewarding aspects for you of being a part of that ministry? The most rewarding aspects would be seeing lives changed there. You can't make up all the different stories of kids that we've worked with at Pine Haven over the years and just watching broken, hurting people when they give their life to Christ and he's able to change them from the inside out, that's the most rewarding thing. I'm, I'm thinking of one young man who came at seven years old with his twin sister, and they were, they were, he was with us for 11 years. Went on to become a law officer, and now he's back working with us. He's wow. our foreman. And just that's, that's the most rewarding is watching lives and souls change for eternity. And was, that's awesome. Wasn't it your grandfather? Your grandfather started that ministry by, we got to help kids all over the country, and they yes. dedicated all their land and everything, and the rest is history. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so Sharon from Obria, I know that um, Obria is a huge, like all of you guys, a place in our heart, but what's sad, what's really sad is to hear about some of the stories of young, um, young women who get pregnant and don't have any place to turn. They get kicked out of their homes. They don't have any resources. And so their heart, their ministry, is about saving babies' lives. And we're so grateful that you, what you're doing and your team. Can you describe a story from us, a transformational story or a huge impact that you've witnessed in the lives of the people that you get to work with? Well, thank you, Mike, for having me. It's such an honor and a privilege to be with you. And, and good morning, church. Wow, I'm so blessed by MVCC, and you guys are amazing. We are at a crossroads in our culture, and unfortunately, within our own church. It breaks my heart wide open to tell you that the entire church is not pro-life. We read the word of God, and it says that children are a blessing and a heritage. Life is sacred, I just want to give you a charge that if you think for one minute that what is happening is just culture or happenstance, I want you to lean in and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to you about the sacredness of life. 
What we're seeing at Obria is women that are about 200% below the poverty level, struggling with housing and food scarcity. They're pregnant, and they say, I cannot feed myself. How can I feed a baby? They come to us before they go to Planned Parenthood, and we are sometimes their only hope before they go out the doors and make a decision that no one wants them to make. Our big campaign this year is the abortion pill reversal regiment. And from talking to many of you outside this morning, you didn't even know that existed. We are in California facing a King Herod moment. The state has said we have 2 million abortion pills stockpiled. And so many people don't know that we can reverse that. And that's what we're offering. So one of the most amazing stories I heard was a year ago, our clinic was actually closed one day for a staff training, and a woman came in the door sobbing because she had taken the abortion pill and she couldn't live with herself. Well, it didn't matter that we were closed that day. We threw our doors wide open and we embraced this woman and we immediately got her the reversal regiment and began working with her. Depending on when a woman comes in for care, we have a 68% chance of saving babies. Awesome. So stand with me. Amen. Stand for life. Amen. Don't let the state take over and don't fall. Don't succumb to the status quo. Stand for life. Stand for what the Lord God has mandated for us. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Yes, thank you for what you do. And we're with you, saving lives one at a time. We're with you. One million churches have been established over 25 years through DCPI, Dynamic Church Planting International. And so we're excited to just partner with this because every church that's planted by your prayers and giving means lives that are saved, snatched from the enemy into the kingdom of, of light. And so it's truly a privilege. So um, right now, Chris McKinney is here. And um, I wanted Chris to just share for a moment. Um, in what ways, um, Chris, has your faith been tested or strengthened? I'm sure you've been through a lot over the years in ministry. You came from the Philippines. Your parents were missionaries. So you've seen, you've seen a lot of things. What, share with us how our faith is tested and tried during, during those times. I can tell you about a tough time for me. I uh, decided to be a missionary. God called me when I was 17 years old. I went to Bible college, met my wife, and then just had a wonderful time as a church planter in the Philippines. And I just loved uh, talk, uh, seeing someplace go from no presence of the body of Christ to having a church and then seeing sometimes those churches plant daughter churches in the next village and whatnot and seeing lives changed, seeing communities changed, watching what the Holy Spirit was would do that I'd have no clue about until after there was a church and it began to find its place in the world. It was such a, a fulfilling thing for me. We raised our family over there. And then after 20 years, uh, my wife and I had a talk and we decided we needed to come back to the States to uh, look after our mothers. Mm. Both of our mothers were struggling and 
they've since both passed. And uh, we knew that was the right thing, right? The Bible tells us to honor our parents. But I I didn't know who I was. This was during the recession. My friends in ministry were losing jobs. I, I didn't know. I thought maybe I'd end up as a greeter at Walmart. And uh, but we, we did it because it was right. Uh, Carol asked if I would agree that I wouldn't find a position that required us to raise missionary support, even if I ended up in ministry. <laughs> because that had also been a burden it was something we didn't really enjoy, even though, again, we knew it was the right thing. And I'd agreed to that, so maybe that was the silver lining. And uh, in that place where we were just uh, doing what we knew was right, without really knowing where God was going to take us, uh, the president and vice president of Dynamic Church Planning International, they came through Manila, and they invited us out for dinner, and they asked us to come to their headquarters in Oceanside to work there where I could coordinate training of church planters across Asia. Now, Carol's mom lives in Carlsbad, the <laughs> next town over. Wow. They didn't know because we weren't telling anybody. We, didn't, we were afraid churches would stop sending their support and our ministry partners would, would think we were already back. So we didn't tell anybody. They asked us and... Uh, you know, originally I said no, <laughs> because we weren't gonna we weren't gonna be raising support anymore. But then God worked in our hearts, each of us separately, and we realized, man, this is exactly the next step. This is working with that cross cultural experience, uh, working with church planting, uh, training others, and uh, uh, so we did that, and that has just been amazing. Now instead of uh, having planted 12 churches in 20-something years, hundreds of thousands of churches have been planted through uh, people that we've trained just since that decision was made. Awesome. So. Awesome. And thank you guys for your faithfulness to your parents. That's a, that's a huge testimony. Um, Jay and Kevin Devers um, are part of our church family for a really long time. Uh, Jay and Karen were missionaries actually to Indonesia had a passion to reach Muslim people. And so it's just, it's always a privilege to have you guys here. And I know that Karen, you're used to serve in Mexico with families that didn't have anything. You guys have always been just serving people. And we just so love that about you guys. Um, Tell us about, what advice maybe would you give? Because I know that you're with DCPI with Chris McKinney, um, serving in church planting. It's exciting, right? All the people who are getting saved and discipled in those Little house churches, and some of them are big churches, but what advice would you give to those of us here considering maybe going on a short-term missions trip or long-term mission trip and think, yeah, I just don't have the time. Where am I going to get the money? I can't take off. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Tell us about that. Three words. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I just want short story. 40 years ago, I came here in the fall of 83, and I met this guy, and we were both two struggling college students. Pastor Mike and I went to college together, and uh, I was a brand-new Christian, 24 years old, not raised in the church, really didn't know very much, so I started going to college. 
but uh, was part of this church and then started doing outreach in Mexico, uh, leading teams, short-term teams, building homes. And to see the change come over people's lives, we go down there to minister in Mexico, right? But the change that happened on the people going out there was just Mm. phenomenal. You hear that story over and over and over again. So I was doing that, leading teams. We were still, uh, you know, uh, college students. And so this was just like a little side gig I do on the weekends or something, help help, uh, teams down there. And then, uh, lo and behold, I moved to Mexico in Tijuana. I lived in an orphanage for three months and just, just risk, just risk. I didn't know what I was doing, but, uh, you know what? And then I found Karen. So word to the wise, you may find your future spouse on the mission field. Okay. It's true. It's true. Here we are 36 years. Woohoo! <laughs> Still going strong. So I say I rescued her out of Mexican orphanage, but really, <laughs> really she rescued me, I think. But uh, anyway, just short story. Um, I helped Mission Viejo once a month, just a side gig also, not full-time job, go down to Mexico. It was flat ground, and in one year, just going once a month on the weekends, a group from Mission Viejo Christian Church we physically built a church in Tijuana in one year. Awesome. Praise the Lord. So, and church planting is necessary. And the real thing is the people in the church, right? Amen. Amen. Jay, what did you, what was your vocation before God called you to serve? Construction. Construction. God loves construction workers, right? And um, Karen, anything that, uh, to add to that? Is there something... Yeah, well, um, I came to the Lord in college, and it was just so great that I had opportunities to go on mission trips. And so because I had opportunities, I got to check out a few different things. And so I got to see what I liked and what I didn't like, and um, it was just a great bonding time. Um, So eventually I just kept going along, and um, some of my best friends, I texted them this morning. I'm on a mission Sunday today, and we're still great friends because there was just such bonding that happened. Mm. And it was others that I went with that actually helped propel me along in my mission, you know, because I went on a mission trip to Mexico with the Moore Ministries. I loved it. I went back, and I was telling everybody, you've got to go. You've got to go. It's amazing. I was just going on and on how everyone had to go. I wasn't planning to go the next time, though. But then, you know what? There was a spot at the very end, and my girlfriend grabbed me. You're coming along with us mm. again. And then that was, you know, two years later, you know, I moved out here full time. Met Jay and been, you know, in Indonesia all these years. I would have never imagined this for myself. Never. But God has been so faithful, and I can't be more grateful. Amen. Awesome. Love it. Uh, Jeff, once again, from uh, just Royal Family Kids and for the children, um, how do you ensure like the sustainability? Because I know there's always challenges with that, with the projects and initiatives that you guys are involved in. How does that sustain? How does that happen? Yeah, great question. We have about 185 chapters and churches across the country that run a camp just like you do here. So we've got a lot going on and several overseas. And one of the things that we've concluded was you know, we have a national office in Santa Ana, and there's about eight or nine or ten people work there, but none of the kids show up there. The kids show up right here. Mm. This is the sustainability of our plan for a long term because this is where the volunteers are. This is where the motivation is. This is where people come, and this is where the kids come, and they get on a bus, and they go to camp, or they go to the mentoring program. So we know that we need to stay connected, you know, to the local church. We provide a very specialized 
skill set of training and knowledge with kids in foster care, but it's the volunteers that come right out of the seat of a local church. So that's one area is that we've got to stay connected. The other one is that COVID, though it was not good, a few good things came out of it, and that was we had to change our training model from in-person to virtual. And though we still love in-person training, just like in-person church, it's always better. We now have a skill set where we can train more people. And one of the biggest challenges to those 185 camps that operate around the country is to keep new leadership going Mm. because people don't stay in the same position forever. So now we can better train uh, with more efficiency and more effectiveness the next leader to rise up and take over. And that keeps the camp alive and that keeps more kids showing up. So a quick example is I was just in Wales. Uh, We have a few camps overseas And that was an in-person training, but we'll provide some virtual classes if we need. But in this in-person training that we were doing, we're starting up our second camp in Wales, and they've got some future plans for more European countries. And in that class, um, the the counselors uh, spend their time with their kids all week, and they try to leave them at the end of the week with a rock, and they write a single word on that rock. Because kids have been told a lot of things about themselves in their lives, and sometimes they believe a lot of the negative stuff. So all week long, the counselor's trying to think of what is one word that I can leave this child with. And they write on the rock and give it to them at the end of the week, and it might be bravery or courage or determination. Some inspiring word where one little girl got her rock and had the word heard, like you have been heard. And the reason she got that word is because this child, because of the trauma of her life, has chosen to not speak. So all week long, she said just a very few words to her camp counselor, and that was it. Very, very few words. Because of her trauma, that's just how it has, you know, related to her. So her counselor wanted to know, words or not, you have been heard. Your actions and your deeds are seen and you are loved and you are known by God and you are known by us. And all week long, you have been heard. Awesome. So that's one of our, one of our ways to sustain is through stories like that. Great. Sharon from uh, Obria, tell us a little bit more about um, what impact do you hope to leave? You know, the reality is we're not going to be here forever. None of us will. But what's the impact that you want to leave on the community with all the work that you guys are doing? I think the biggest impact that I want to leave is, is that women have been under fire for a long time. This is a fight about our identity. Women have been charged with, you know, the women's lib movement. And I really believe that it's because we are bearers of life. Women are bearers of life. And if you can be led to believe this lie that you don't need a man, you know, you can do it all. Basically what the liberation movement is telling us, you may make a a choice not to carry the life within your womb. Mm. And that message also goes to men. I've had countless men tell me recently, my girlfriend or my wife had an abortion and I felt like I didn't have a voice because... It was her body. We need to change the narrative. We need to speak life, and we need to tell the truth, and we need to do it in a loving way. The church has no place for judgment, condemnation, or a religious spirit. Right. We need to act like Jesus. Yeah. Full stop. Amen. So, uh, Dan, once again from uh, Pine Haven, what are some misconceptions? Because I think there's a lot of them out there about mission work and full-time work for God um, that you seem to encounter, and how do you address those? Sure. 
I think the first misconception, kind of like when you become a Christian, is everything's going to be perfect. You're going to be perfect. All these things go away, and that's just and that's just not true. When you work with people, whether they are the workers, whether they're the people you're working with, there, there are things going on in their lives that they're struggling with or that's going on. And I went to a Bible college. It's not an angel factory. There's a lot of people there with a lot of things going on. And so just know that about any ministry and and. and you just work with people. You love them. You you forgive them. You try to inspire each other and be the church and grow and work together. Um, another misconception is that in so many ministries, especially in, in ours, you know, we work with kids. But that's not all you do. There are so many different facets, and God brings in this group or these people. Or you know, He used us to start a Christian school in Illinois with some of the legislative stuff they've got going on, not something we were planning to do. We've got a young lady from the Ukraine who has been with us for the past couple of years. She's in her upper 20s. And just people that God brings into your life and, and your ministry, the ripples are so much bigger than whatever your main thing is that, that you do. And the third, I would say, is it's it's God who does it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we feel like this is all up to us, or or people are not becoming Christians in this facet of ministry or whatever because because of me. I'm the well, yeah, we're God's workers and we're imperfect, but people are like fish. That's why they call it fishers of men, and so they have to want that. You present it. You're faithful. You put it out there. You try to influence them. You be the church that the people want to be a part of, which. The church doesn't do all that great at sometimes, but we need to be God's workers and and put that out there in such a way so that they'll want it. And it's God who does the work. That's good. That's good. So um, Heather, once again from Standing Stone Ministry, which um, I want to also mention that um, Heather was raised in Missionville Christian Church. Her father was the youth pastor. Um, and so there's many here. In fact, Pastor Brian and I, Pastor Robert, came under uh, her name. Her father's name is uh, Dick Worthington, came under his ministry, Jay. Remember, he, you know, he baptized us and discipled us. And now it's just amazing to see, Heather, you here leading ministry. But um, tell us what you're looking forward to. What are your aspirations, you and Jenya, your husband, about the goals and dreams you guys have for the future of, of your missionary service? <laughs> It's a really good question. I, I think that because of our situation and just being so blindsided and so stunned by what happened um, and just living in crisis for a, this period of time, um, from day one, though, and my son would be horrified that I'm going to say this right now because he would say it's so cringy, Mom. But the, these words bloom where you are planted. Um, have been so strong in us that we have no idea to answer your, we have no idea. And we're only now getting to the point to where we have the capacity to dream and really like think, um, outside of this crisis that we've been in. Um, but this bloom where we are planted and making the commitment to the Lord, if we are here, we serve here wholeheartedly. Mm. Where What is God doing around us? There's Ukrainians around us. There's RFK. There's all of these ministries going on. Around. What is here? And how can God use us where we're at right now? And if God replants us back to Russia or overseas somewhere, that God will use us there. And so right now, that's, that's where we're at. So um, we are praying about... Uh, 
where God will lead in this, but being faithful right now where, where he has us. I mm. think that's kind of where we're at right now. That's a great word for all of us, yeah. So the last thing before we have prayer is um, just ordinary people, like, just like all of us. I hope you've really caught that, that vision that um, none of these folks here came out, oh, you know, serving God all the time. He takes us where we're at, and he uses something very special in the heart. So, Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.